Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. We're going to start a new series today called Grow. A new series called Grow. And in this four-part series, we just want to discover and be reminded of how it's God's will for us to not be stagnant, not stay in the same place. Amen. So if you have your Bible or your device that you're not using for Zoom uh, or to be online, turn over to Psalm 92, and we'll get there in just a moment, Psalm 92. Again, we're starting this new series, Grow. And I want to start off today uh, just reminding us on some, about something. We want to build uh, through this series. And I just want to remind us uh, today is not a doom and gloom message, but it's just a reminder. How many know that if you want to get somewhere, wherever it may be, you have to know where you're starting. You have to know where you are. You know, if you're going to go uh, to California, uh, well, am I in Hawaii? Am I in Washington, D.C.? Where am I? How am I going to get there? I have to know where I am. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the sin factor, the number one thing that prevents us from growing, whether it be spiritually uh, or in our life, sin is the number one thing that prevents us. And so we're not preaching just a doctrine of sin and a doom and gloom uh, doctrine this morning, but what we are doing is just reminding ourselves of what it can do and why we shouldn't fall into it. Here's what I want to tell you this morning is, you know, over the last few weeks during this thing that we've been going through with the pandemic and all of that, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of good things come out of it. We've seen a lot of good messages. We've, uh, we've talked about how our first responders are doing and, and uh, how families are coming together. And we, we talk about community and we talk about all of those things during this time. And I really believe that it's a reminder to us that God wants us to continue that uh, let's not wait for a pandemic or an economic crisis or something like that for us to come together as a community and as families. And I'm thinking, you know, we've heard all of these good messages and it's good to hear these messages. And now it's time for us to understand that we need to raise the bar in our life. We need to raise the bar in our lives, especially as Christians. You know, I don't know where you are in your walk. Maybe you've been, you're a person who's uh, been a church person, you've been saved for 30 years, I don't know. Maybe you're a person in your journey who is just coming to the Lord, or maybe you're a person who's still seeking. You know, you don't know what to believe. You're still trying to figure things out. And all of that is okay. But wherever you are in your life, whatever point you are in your life, it's God's will for you to grow. And it's God's will for you to raise the bar in your life to the next level. We cannot be apathetic, all right? We cannot just uh, you know, uh, remain in the status quo. You know, things are not okay the way they are. We must continue to grow. So if you're a person who's, you know, unfulfilled in life, you're, you're unhappy, you, uh, you know, probably, um, you, you, you may be uh, thinking that I just haven't reached that 
uh, place that uh, I know God has for me, or I haven't uh, climbed the ladder to where I thought I would be right now. You look back over your life and what you think about are mistakes that you've made. You think about uh, places uh, that you shouldn't have been and areas where you tripped up and all of that. I wanna tell you that the enemy would have you to focus on that, but God wants you to focus on where you're going. And one of the reasons that you may feel that way is because you're not growing. The growth factor is, is not present in your life, right? David Rockefeller uh, once said that if necessity is the mother of invention, then discontent is the father of progress. What a great opportunity when you go through a, a stressful time, a time that presses you. It's a great opportunity to discover progress and to discover growth, but we're not to leave it here in this time. We're to carry that on with us. Amen. So it's God's will for us to continue to grow. It's God's will for us. You know, you've heard it said so many times, I'm sure, that God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. I know you've heard that, but it's true. It's a cliche, but it is absolutely true. Amen. So have we grown? Have we grown to uh, be all that we can be in God? Have we reached the place uh, where God is already saying to us, well done? Of course not. If you're like me, you're still struggling. Uh, we, we, you still grope. You still um, seek that place in God and fulfillment in your own life. Uh, have we become uh, who we thought we'd be by this time in our life? Psalm 92 starting at verse 12. Listen to the way David put it here in verse 12. He said, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted, planted now, I'm not talking about going from house to house. I'm not talking about dipping your toe in the water every once in a while, Christmas and Easter. I'm talking about those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. And we see by this scripture that it's God's will that we flourish and that we grow. Not only is it his will, but it's his decree to us. And let me give you a couple more scriptures. Ephesians 4.15 puts it this way. Paul said this to the church at Ephesus. He said, but speaking the truth in love, he's talking about you, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And then in Peter, 2 Peter 3.18, it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. It's God's will that we grow. It's his will that we keep going. It's his will that we not be stagnant. It's his will that we not stay in the same place. Do you realize that if you stay in the same place, you're like a, a little puddle of water? You ever seen a little puddle of water after it rains or a stagnant uh, little body of water? 
You know what happens if it stays there too long, all sorts of things begin to grow in it. It becomes nasty and disgusting. I'm not calling you nasty and disgusting, but listen, I'm saying if you're staying in the same place, come on somebody, you're like a puddle of water. God said he wants you to keep moving, keep moving. First Peter 2, 2 says like newborn babies, you should crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And so I don't care if you're in the beginning of your journey on this journey. Take that spiritual milk so that you'll grow up into salvation. And God says, speaks to us who may have known him for quite a while. In Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, you know it. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. That doesn't mean forsake them. But it means I'm going on to something greater. Let us go on unto perfection or maturity, it says. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of doctrine, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, and the eternal judgment. Let us not keep doing the same things over and over. We have a foundation now. We know about baptism. We know about repentance from dead works, but guess what? There's more. You haven't arrived. You haven't arrived yet. God says, keep going. Come up to me. I'm higher. See, you know what? We get comfortable. We get comfortable in God reaching down to save us. We get comfortable that when we get in trouble, we know that we have a safety net. We get comfortable knowing that should we fall short, we have an advocate with the Father. And we know that that is true. We know it's true. It's a comfort. It's a blessed assurance unto us that if we ever get in trouble, uh, that God will not leave us or forsake us. But God is telling us even this morning that it's time to stop being comfortable in the familiar and it's time to step out and raise your game. Now, when I say that, a lot of people are thinking, yeah, I need to do some more stuff. You know, I need to, I need to, uh, uh, you know, be more spiritual. I need to, to read my Bible more. I need to pray. All true. But here's what we have to realize. We let things seep into our life that stunt our growth. We let things in our life and we allow it. And we just say, well, that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. That's just who I am. God will forgive me. We allow it. And it stunts our growth. And this is what we're talking about this morning. Sin is the greatest thing that stunts your growth, not only in God, but in life. And so to, we, we must understand it. We must understand sin. In, in order to get over something, you first must face it. You got to understand it head on. Don't run from it. Don't turn your eyes away from it. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, nobody can point their finger at you and say your sin is greater than their sin. We've all sinned. And if you've, if you've uh, transgressed against one part of the law, you've transgressed against it all. So look, look in the mirror. Don't talk about me. Come on. We've all sinned and fallen short of his glory, but it's time for us to raise that bar. Stop being satisfied with wallowing in sin. Stop being satisfied with sin every once in a while. Jesus, he sent the Holy Spirit in you so that you would not have to sin, so that you would not have to be in that. Romans 5.12 put it this way. It says, therefore, just as one man's sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Listen, you need to know that you were born into sin. 
I just want to speak to those people who might say, listen, you know what? I, I don't know if I'm a church person. I don't know if I would even believe in God. I wouldn't do all that that these Christians do because they say that, uh, you know, I'm lost without God. I, I didn't choose to be lost. You know, they talk about Adam and Eve sinning and how that affects me. Well, I didn't choose that. That You know, why should I have to uh, go through all the stuff that they're talking? Why should I have to believe? Because I never chose to be in sin. I want to tell you something. Sin is a lot like a virus. Come on now. You know, during this pandemic or any pandemic or anything like this that the world has ever faced, you're going to tell me that you chose to get the virus, that people chose to die. No, you didn't choose it. But I tell you what, if you don't do what you're supposed to be doing, it will definitely find you. Sin will find you just like a virus will find you if you don't do it. And even though you didn't choose it, it will find you. There's strong biblical emphasis on the influence of our inheritance of what we received from Adam. This doctrine of original sin means the very nature of what we inherited from him is tainted. It's already tainted. It's twisted with self-centeredness. Jesus taught it is from within. It's from within. It's from our hearts. Evil thoughts and actions come. This is what we inherited. Is it fair? Maybe not. But you've heard, you know what I'm going to say. Life ain't fair. But guess what? You can do something about it. You can do something about it. In, in, in Romans 5, down in verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, Therefore, as though one man's offense of judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, we didn't ask for it, but it came to all of us, even so through one man's righteous act, one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all, resulting in justification of life. For by one man's disobedience, we were made sinners. Can't help it. It happened. Get over it. It happened. So also by one man's obedience, many, those who choose, those who accept, will be made righteous. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Yes, sin is what you inherited, but what you inherited is not your destiny. Come on, can I get an amen? amen? Good, thank you. <laughs> and then we were born into sin. We were shaped, were shaped by sin until we realized uh, that we don't have to be in sin. And Adam, we are sinners. We're all sinners in Adam, born into sin, shaped in, in, in sin, driven by sin. Sin is an implicit aggressive quality. It's ruthless. Listen to me this morning. It hurts us. It, we need to break away from it because it breaks us away from God and the rest of humanity. It's an act of rebellion is what sin is. Romans 7. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you this morning. I won't be too very long, uh, but I'm going to throw some scripture at you. Romans 7, 8 to 11 says, but sin, taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me, all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. The wages of sin. Come on, finish that. Exactly, you know it. So we're born into sin, we're shaped by sin, we're driven by sin. Sin has a willful, a defiant, disloyal quality about it. Uh, it, it's a terrible thing. I'm driving this point home. I only got one point. Sin is bad. Someone is, is, def is defiled, offended, 
hurt. Sin is not a regrettable lapse from conventional standards. Its essence is hostile toward God. It's enmity with God, enmity with God. Romans 6, 11 and 12, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive in God, in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin. You have a choice. I have a choice. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. We're going to talk about why in just a minute. Listen, I'm not condemning. This is not a condemnation message because Jesus died on the cross and he took our sin. We need to understand that we're free from sin. We used to be slaves to sin. Come on. Jesus describes the sinner as a slave to sin. John 8, 34, Jesus answered them. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. You're a slave to it. We have, in fact, enslaved the world. Come on. Uh, our flesh, our fallen nature is being driven by the devil's demonic forces because we've allowed sin to continue to reign in our mortal bodies. Romans 6, 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Realize it. Look in the mirror. Tell yourself, I am no longer a slave to sin. And just because I do it doesn't mean that's my destiny. Doesn't mean that's who I am. I need to make the choice and allow God to cleanse me. I need to have the knowledge, the revelation of what Jesus really did on that cross. He didn't die on the cross just so we could get into heaven. He died on the cross so that you could be free here and now of sin. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a bad thing and it holds us back. It holds us back. We keep wondering, how come I'm not where I'm supposed to be in life? Why does, you know, why does it seem like every time I take a step forward, I take two steps backwards? It's because that we allow sin in our life. We're allowing it in our life. Romans 6, 17 says, but God be thanked that though you were slaves, you were, were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine from which you were delivered, which you were delivered. And I know, you know, listen, we're a people who, you know, say, you know, I have a lot of excuses. You know, sin happens. It, you know, what can I say? Uh, I, I, you know, God still loves me. Of course he loves you. He set his love on you. God saw that you would sin. God sees the next sin that you will commit, believe it or not. He sees, and I'm not prophesying that you're going to commit a sin. But I'm telling you, God already sees it. And guess what? He already loves you. He already loves you. So the love of God is not the question. But your growth is the question. Your abundant life is the question. That's what's at stake here. And if you're saved, if you've accepted Jesus in your heart, if you've confessed his name with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then listen, uh, you know, you've been baptized in water. You came up out of that water. You filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Salvation, uh, heaven is not in question. But why are you satisfied with getting to heaven at the end? You're living right now. You are living now. And God, Jesus said, I came. I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. But we make a lot of excuses for our sin. You know, it's just the way it is. 
Is it fair to blame our misconduct on our human nature? Is it fair? Are we really responsible for our own actions? We've created many scapegoats. We say our genes. It's just in my genes. It's just, you know, what I do. It's, it, that's just who I am. Or we may say, it's just the chemistry. It's, it's my chemistry. It's my makeup. It's just the way God made me. You know, if he didn't want me to sin, he wouldn't have made me to sin. <laughs> excuse, excuse. We say it's a temporary hormonal imbalance. I'm going through something. I'm going through a midlife crisis or, you know, I'm, I'm going through something emotional. And so it's just an imbalance in my hormones. That's why I'm sinning. Or we say it's an inherited temper. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm black. I'm, I'm Italian. I'm whatever it is I am. I was born this way. I was born on that side of the tracks. I was born into this family. Uh, it's just my temperament. That's the way we are. That's the way our family is. That's what we say. Our parents' failures during our early childhood is their fault. It's, it's their fault. They did it. You know, I saw them fight and fuss all the time. So that's just the way I am. I'm doing the same thing talking about our upbringing. It's the way they raised me. Come on, we got a lot of excuses, folks. We got a lot of excuses. Who's got excuses? Don't raise your hand. We got some excuses. Or we might say it's our educational and social environment. Look, it's, it's, it's the people that I'm around. You know, if I was raised uh, in, in the suburbs and I wouldn't be this way, or if I was raised in this city or that city, I wouldn't be this way. All of those things are excuses because Jesus provided us a way to be free. He provided us a way to break every chain. Say it, somebody. Break every chain, including the, the chain of sin. He provided us a way to break free of that. Proverbs says, fools mock at sin. You're a fool if you don't recognize the power of sin, but you can overcome it because Jesus already overcame it. But the upright, for the upright, there is favor. Here's, here's what it is. Here's why, why am I pressing this so hard? Why am I coming at this so hard? Here's the reason. Because Jesus said this in John 15, 22. Remember this. Jesus said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. You didn't have to worry about it. You could use all those excuses, your genes, chemistry, the way you were raised, your upbringing. You could use all of that. But Jesus goes on to say, but now, but now, John 15, 22, but now they have no excuse for their sin. There is no excuse. <laughs> excuses, that's right. Time out for excuses. No more excuses. Romans 3, 9. I told you I was going to throw a lot of scripture at you. Romans 3, 9. What then? Are we better than they? Paul's talking about the Jews. Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. You know, it doesn't escape anybody. Just like we're, this is a great, uh, a great metaphor this uh, pandemic, this virus that we're going through. You know, when we say it doesn't care about anybody, it doesn't care if you're white or black or male or female. You know, it, we talked about, uh, you know, older people were more susceptible. And now they're saying, well, we don't, you know, everybody's really susceptible to it. It doesn't care. It doesn't care. Young, old, it doesn't matter. Guess what? Guess what else doesn't care? Sin doesn't care. Sin doesn't care if you're young, old, black, white. It doesn't care if you've been righteous for 30 years and haven't committed sin that 30 years in a day, it's still after you. Sin is at your doorstep. Come on, I'm not glorifying sin. Don't get me wrong, because you've overcome it. But I'm just telling you to stop allowing it to be just because you think it's the way it has to be. 
Romans 3, 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth must be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. You hear me? No flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's all it is. The law just the law doesn't save you. The law really doesn't even help you other than to let you know that there is sin and to let you know that there's nothing you can do. You're not going to be able to say, well, I was a good person. Well, I didn't sin most of the time. I did a lot of good deeds. This is not the good place that you're going to where you can say, well, you know, uh, if you count it all up, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. God don't care it, because that's not no flesh will glory in the presence of God. No flesh, no flesh. Every time sin is mentioned in the Bible, it talks about it's a standard, it's a line that we didn't reach or a line that we deliberately crossed. That's what sin is. But listen, listen to what Paul is saying in chapter six, verse 14. He said, no sin shall have dominion over you for you're not under the law, but you're under grace. You know, our, 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 our biggest downfall when it comes to dealing with sin, it's revelation. It's not our willpower and our might to overcome it. It's a revelation that you're not under the law, but you're under grace. It's a revelation that Jesus already died on the cross for your sin and he took it away. And you're not under those chains of bondage anymore. You're not under those chains anymore. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, Paul said, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. It's talking about the things that your flesh wants to do. Because remember, you need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. I'm going to keep throwing some scripture at you. Just a couple more minutes here. Look at this. Here, look at what the Bible would have to say about the sin nature. All right, Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds. You choose to do it. Why? Because you're free. You're free from it. So if you do it, you chose to do it. Come on. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. Romans 8, 8, down in verse 8, it says, so then those who are in flesh cannot please God. You know how the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it also says those who are in flesh cannot please God. You can't please God if you're in flesh. Down in verse 13 of that same chapter, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Notice in that uh, verse 13, it doesn't say by your willpower, put to death the, flea, the, the deeds of the flesh. It says by the spirit, it must be the spirit of God that puts those deeds, come on, to death. Over in Galatians 6, 8, for he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap and not just reap, but reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Come on. Galatians, Second uh, Peter 2.10 says, And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness despise authority. Come on, it's rebellion. That's all it is. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil. 
of dignitaries. And then 1 John 2, 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. It is of the world. So we cannot follow this flesh. We can't follow this flesh. It, you know, the flesh is our old man. You know, Paul said, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. We should no longer be slaves of sin. Over in Ephesians 4, Paul said that you put off concerning your former conduct. You make the choice. The old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. Recognize the sin that dwells in you. Recognize it. Acknowledge it. Don't run from it. Face it head on and say, I've already defeated you because Christ has already defeated you. Listen, Paul said in Romans 7, 1, I find a law then that evil is present within me. Don't think you're above it. Don't think you're too good for it. Because your flesh I'm talking about, don't think it won't get you if you're not paying attention. He says that evil is present, this law that I find, the one who wills to do good. In other words, I would do good, but evil is always present. My flesh would do good, but evil is always present. And then Paul said in chapter 7, verse 25, I thank God that through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Your flesh will absolutely serve the law of sin. Why? Because you're carnal. Why am I talking about this? Why am I harping on the sin nature and the danger of allowing sin to reign in our lives? And not only reign, when I say reign, you, you think, oh, that's just someone who's sinning all the time. No, I'm talking about even every once in a while. I'm talking about once a week. Am I condemning you? Is God condemning you? No, Jesus said, I didn't come in the world to condemn it. I came in the world to save it. But I'm just letting you know the realization of the power of sin if you're not paying attention to it. If you allow it in your life, it will take over. Let me just finally give you four things here. The power of sin and the reality of the sin nature. Listen, here's the reason why I'm harping on this this morning. Is because, number one, the power of the sin nature functions in the realm of rebellion against the law of God. It's rebellion against God. That's what I was saying. Paul said, I find that law that's evil and present within me. He said, I delight uh, in the law of God uh, according to the inward man, but I see another law of my members. It's warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Paul went on to say this, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But he doesn't leave it there. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with, with the mind, I myself serve the law. Now the flesh serves sin. And then number two, the power of the sin nature seeks to forbid the practice of spiritual good in the life of the believer. That's what it does. It comes against any spiritual good in your life. 
So all the, all the good that you're doing spiritually, you, when you're seeking God early in the morning, when you're reading your Bible, when you're praying, when you're doing all of those things, this is what sin does. And the sin nature, it comes against all of that to make it null and void. It comes against that to bring you down until finally you would relent and say, forget it. I'm not going to have devotion in the morning. Forget it. I'm not going to read my Bible on a regular basis. Forget it. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to do those things. That's what it's trying to do. It's forbidding spiritual good in your life. And it's up to you to not allow it to know that if you get knocked down six times, get back up seven times. Come on. And then the power of sin nature, number three, is capable of all sorts of evil. We know that wickedness, spiritual defection. Galatians 5, 19 says the works of the flesh are evident. He lists them, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Come on, y'all, righteous, uh, indignant, <laughs> uh, selfish ambitions, dissension, heresies, even envy murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't get mad at me. That's Bible. You will not inherit the kingdom of God if you practice. I'm not talking about tripping and falling every once in a while. Get back up. Come on. Again, this is not condemnation, but I'm telling you, you shouldn't be happy with it. You, even if you trip every once in a while, don't just say, oh, well, that's just the way it is. Don't give an excuse. Get back up. Get upset with your flesh. Get upset with the enemy. Come on. And then lastly, the devil will use, if possible, the sin nature, our flesh, as a tool. As a tool. He uses it as a tool to gain control in the believer's life. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians 4.27. He said, don't give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. He gives place literally uh, is a claim uh, or, or, or it's a, it, it means practical ground. It means that you're actually allowing, you're opening the door. You're saying, come on in, devil, to Satan's activity in your life, giving way willfully. You, you, you practice sin in the flesh, and it gives occasion for Satan to come in and wreck everything in your home. Come on, Mark Bubeck said this one time. He said, although all legal claim of Satan against us was canceled at the cross, watch this now, a, believer's willful in, a believer is willful in fleshly sins, and that gives the enemy a place or a claim against us in which he will be quick to exploit. Satan wants you to trip up so he can say, see, I told you so. We've got to recognize sin if we're going to grow but I don't want to leave it with sin. Let me leave it with this, Romans chapter six, verse 20. This is what Paul is saying. You want to end it with this. This is what Paul is saying. He says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Watch this, verse 22, chapter 6. But now, but now, having been set free, how many are set free this morning? I know you're set free. You're set free, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, 
you have your fruit of holiness at the end, everlasting life. And in verse 23, he finally says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So understand that you're free today. Understand that you're free.